Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Rhonda talking about Step 11. Hello everybody, my name is Rhonda and I am an alcoholic. And um, I love it when Maddie just said about laughter. So some of you who know me know how serious I am all the time. (laughs) No laughing with me, I'm sorry, this is deadly serious, you know. Sorry, no. um, didn't get sober to have fun. No, got to be serious, you know. <laughs> That's not me, <laughs> that is all. And um, when Trish asked me to share, I thought, yeah, 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 no worries. Step one, yeah, can do that, no problems at all. Step two, yeah, 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 yeah. Step three, yeah, four and five, breeze. Six, seven, eight and nine, fabulous. Step ten, wonderful. Step twelve, fabulous. <laughs> so here I am I speaking on step 11 <laughs> and I'm really nervous about step, step, um, sharing on step 11 because I don't know how to express this. <laughs> I don't know how to express what it is f- for me. And I, um, my sponsor asked me before, I said, well, I'm a bit nervous. She said, that's okay, you're okay to be nervous. I said, no, you understand, I can't say I'm nervous. She goes, yes, you can, it's all right. And she said, now what does step 11 mean to you? So... As many of you know, I only use one or two words to describe something. (laughs) (laughs) So I went into this great long soliloquy explaining what it meant to me and she just looked at me and she goes, how about knowledge? Okay. (laughs) And it's just, um, it's made me think, even first time ever, um, I turned 15 years um, sober on the 1st of May um, this year. So first time ever I've actually written notes down because... There is so much in here about the power that um, I'm told in here that needs to run in and through me 24 hours a day, you know. There's just so much in there. So I I started to think about actually what God means for me, you know, and um, I started to think about what I was like. And I went way, 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 way back when I was little, <laughs> way back. And we used to go to Sunday school um, and we lived in an army camp and there used to be um, our, our Sunday school teacher was named Mrs Billings. And I don't know if you've seen those old monkey grinder wagons on the, um, in the old movies. She had one of those and she used to wind the handle and it used to play Jesus Loves You, you know. <laughs> and we, we lived in a place called Bradfield Park and I can just hear it, you know. And if Jesus loves the Bradfield girls and all this kind of stuff, I can just remember that. And we were talking about some old songs we remember. So that, but that was mainly to get me out of the house, basically. But I just loved the feeling. And this lady, she had big buns on her hair and she used to have froth and bubbles coming out the side of her mouth when she talked. But just, and that's the way it was, you know. And I just loved her. You know, there's just something that... And she used to talk of God and that was okay, you know. And then it's hard to believe that I was an uncontrollable child. I know you must find it very hard to believe. But I was a very uncontrollable child. So I went to a Church of England girls' home for uncontrollable children. And that was run by church deaconesses. And I stayed there for three years. And I tell you what, it was amazing to be in this environment um, with all these women. And we had a lot of scripture and a lot of... But again, it wasn't so much the religious thing. It was that feeling, you know. Also, I used to go to um, Bible study of a Sunday night on the back of a little Vespa scooter with a young boy. That didn't, that didn't hurt either. That was quite good, you know, leaving a girl's home to go on, a, on the back of a bike. That was really good. But anyway, I like that. <laughs> 
They took me to a Billy Graham crusade. And I don't know if anyone remembers that. Well, I went down the front and I fell on the ground and they did all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, And I, yeah, so that was sort of me and and knowing about God um, and just accepting that there was a God, but not actually um, aligning myself with that power, that God-given power. It was just all lip service, you know, so... um, Fast forward my life um, uh, after coming out of that environment um, to starting to drinking when the alcohol became the God. The alcohol became all-powerful, you know, to me and took me to a place I needed to get to um, to come to Alcoholics Anonymous so I could start to understand. Um, and then I saw that first step and it said lack of power. Oh, my God, here we go with the power, you know. Um, and I'm powerless over... The, actually, the book says lack of power was my dilemma. And I'm powerless over alcohol. And I just thought... You know, and I read in Dr Silkworth and it said I had to have an entire psychic change. And I felt doomed. I didn't know what... I didn't understand. And so for nearly four years I sat in these rooms and I just did what... Went to meetings and... Went to meetings and drank. And all I got was a bigger... How can I say? Derriere. <laughs> you know? And I didn't get sober. See, I didn't say bum. So that's all right. I'm going to let you know. <laughs> yeah. So that... And that, you know... So I nearly died in these rooms because I didn't actually for whatever reason, not acceptance or whatever, was more trying to control it all. You know, I'll be okay if only. And I tried if only. And if only didn't work. So I finally got myself a sponsor and she said, "Um, are you willing to go for any lengths for victory over alcohol? And I said, yes. You know, we started to read this book and it started to talk about permanent sobriety is our aim. And that scared me as well because I just thought, someday I'll be able to control it. And she goes, nah. That's got to be smashed. You know, you'll never be able to control it. You'll never be able to drink safely like other people. She said, you must find this power greater than yourself in order to live and recreate your life. I was really scared. You know, I was 49 years of age. I thought, how do you do this, you know? And she said, Rhonda, it's through the process of the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you do it thoroughly... It'll be revealed. (laughs) And that's what she said to me. And that has been my experience. So it wasn't in step one. It wasn't in step two. I went through... I shared this on Friday night. And I went through all this process, trusting her, when she says, and believe me, I believe in this power greater than myself, and I call it God. If you don't believe it yourself... Trust, believe me, trust me, and I did. I trusted her. Because I used to look around this meeting, I went to a meeting nearly every day and I'd see all these people. And in the book it talks about, you know, people were talking about how they believed 100% in the power greater than themselves. And I thought, they can't all be wrong. They can't all be going home and drinking a night like me, you know, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, you know. So I had to put my trust in that until I could actually um, start to feel that power. Anyway, when I shared my step five, um, and I was listening to yesterday, um, and talk about, and it became very laughable, those lists, you know, I thought, do I have to keep writing this stuff down? And yes, I did. When I shared that step five, and I shared this on Friday night as well, when that obsession to drink alcohol was removed, what it says in the book, it says you, will, you may find a nearness of your creator and the alcohol problem may be removed. In fact, that's what it turned out to be. Now, I'm not quoting it because I get it all wrong, but that's what happened for me. And I knew absolutely, without a doubt, that God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. So what my sponsor instructed me in the beginning, she said, you've got to pray. 
I thought, okay, you've got to get down on your knees. I thought, okie dokie, all right. <laughs> so we did that. Again, this trust things. I say, okay, you know, God. I must remember, go back. On the 1st of May 2001, the cry that came from me, and I meant it, was God, please help me. You know, that alcoholic, and I meant it with all my being. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. They told me when I wanted to go and drink, and I knew that I just couldn't. I, you know, can't live without it, and you can't live with it. I knew that if I drank again, I would... If I was lucky, I would die. They said, pray for smart feet because your head will take you to the bottle shop, your feet will take you past it. I say, please, God, please, God, take my feet, take my feet, take my feet, you know, all this good, you know, it's fast feet, fast feet, all this kind of stuff, you know. I pray for my son, please help him to stop drinking, pray for my daughter, please don't let, you know, please help her get off the drugs and pray for the cat, the dog, everything, you know. This list used to be huge, used to be, you know, never once until I actually went through the, the whole process, did I start to pray um, for, for the knowledge, like it says here, sought through prayer and meditation to improve, our conscious, to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Oh, that's revolutionary, you know, it really is, you know. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. I don't have to have these long lists anymore. <laughs> All I have to pray is, okay, God, show me what you would have me do. You know, this intuition that you've given me, please, like Maddie was talking about, please let it, you know, show me what, you know, what I'm, how, how to align my will with your will. I don't know about anybody else, but people say, how do you know when you're doing God's will? I know when I'm not, but I don't know about anyone else because my tummy just churns and churns and churns, you know. So I know um, that God wants me to be happy, joyous and free. I know that no matter where I am or what I do, that God is doing for me on a daily basis. So I don't know if anyone's old enough here to remember Jimmy Little. I haven't looked at these yet. (laughs) Anyone remember Jimmy Little? He used to have a song called Telephone to Glory, (laughs) you know, and that's what it was like. It's like this telephone, this... You know, by prayer, just having this contact, this line, and I can feel it in here. I can really feel it. My life is so different today. Um, I still, I, I'm not perfect, and God doesn't want me to be perfect. He just wants me to walk towards the nearness of Him. You know, and I just, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> when I came in here, I didn't realise that it was an inside job. <laughs> I didn't realise that the alcohol is in the bottle, the alcoholism is inside me, and I didn't realise that it, it's the, alcohol, the disease of alcoholism doesn't define me. There's so much more to me, one of God's kids, than just the alcohol and the alcoholism. I've learned so much about myself, you know. I've learned about the fears and the resentments. I didn't know all that stuff. I thought it was all you doing things to me. You know, I didn't know all that stuff. I blamed everybody else. You know, you sort of one finger forward and three looking back. Well, don't look at the three looking back. Just look at the one looking forward, you know. I didn't understand all that, but I do today. Thank God. You know, it's just... And so to improve that conscious contact, you know, I felt that nearness after step five and, I've, and I realised that after, you know, sharing my step five, the step five, I realised, boy, if I ever I needed a God, I do need a God, you know, to help me through all this stuff because I don't want all those defects to rule me again, you know. I don't want to be that vicious person, you know. I want to be example for my grandkids because I'm a red-hot grandmother, by the way, you know. <laughs> I want to be that example there, you know, to know, okay, mum and dad still drink. Mum and my dad lives in, my, in his car but Nana doesn't <laughs> and that's cool I think that's really really cool sorry I wasn't going to do this no I'm not going to apologize because I'm not eloquent I haven't I've 
I'm just me and this stuff is inside of me. And so what I try to do on a daily... No, I'm not try. What I do on a daily basis, I say, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? What would you have me be, you know? And go figure, I can actually sit quietly. Hello, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they told me that prayer was talking to God and meditation was listening, you know? When I first came in, all I could do was stand in the shower and walk around in circles, let the water run over me. I just couldn't, my head wouldn't stay still, you know? And now I can be in a room full of people, but if I need to take that couple of minutes to just clear my thoughts, I can do that. And that's remarkable. I can sit quietly. I'm even thinking of going and doing a seven-day silent retreat. I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) I'm thinking about it. But you know what they say, what think of thought, dear. But anyway, you know, (laughs) I'm thinking about it. Now, that's not me. That's God. That's God talking through me. So I just have to pray. And not long ago, um, David and Chris were out at uh, Werribee. And they were doing one of their presentations. And I've been taking, trying to take my son to AA for years. And one, an older son member once told him, they said, Scott, if you can survive your mother, you can survive anything. You know? <laughs> they were really helpful to me, you know. Anyway, I looked up. We're in the kitchen. And I looked up. And there's, my, there's Scott walked in the door. I thought, oh, my God, thank you, God, he's here. He said, you forgot your phone. <laughs> Oh, okay. And I just laughed, you know. He couldn't get out of there fast enough. He, I didn't even say he wanted to stay or anything like that. He just got out of there fast enough, you know. And that's about acceptance of other people have got a right to their own life. That comes from God for me. Please show me what you would have me do through this prayer and this quiet reflection of a, of a morning. As I said, my, my sponsor told me to pray, so I did it because she told me to. And now I do it because it works. And I know it works because it's been my experience, you know. So last year um, was a very difficult year and I had to make a decision. The family made me make the decision. Um, of putting my husband in a nursing home because he wasn't coming home. They said, Rhonda, it's up to you. That's a hard decision to make. And I had to pray. You know, and I said, no, 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 I can take him home, I can look after him, I can carry him, I can do that. And they just looked at me and they said, no, Rhonda. And I thought, you just give me a minute. So in that room with all those doctors and the family, you know, I looked at him, he nodded. So we were able to do that. He never came home. But I was able to be with him and hold his hand. And we sang and we prayed and we did all that kind of stuff. And he did believe in the spiritual shit. <laughs> he, drove a, he, he drove a bus full of Alkies from Sydney to Newcastle once and he wouldn't come home. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. He wouldn't get back in the bus because all we talked about was all that shit. So we had to get someone else to talk about, you know. <laughs> and that's the truth, you know. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, but I tell you what, I used to love Alkies in the home. He said, we're nuts, you know, and I used to go away. And someone said to him once, why do you like her going away? Because he said she comes home again. And I didn't used to do that in the beginning of our marriage, you know. I didn't. Um, Yeah, so it was really good. And um, the nurses walked into the hospital room one time and um, they said, Rhonda, you should have spiritual music on. And Pete was a bit lucid this day. He said, bullshit. He said, I want rock and roll, you know. Sorry, again, have to blurt that out. But I'm just sort of saying, you know, to be present in a, and to be at the end of someone's life, to help them make decisions about what they want 
and what they do um, for their life um, to be um, the legal, all the legal stuff, the medical stuff, the financial stuff. I came into this outfit with $75,000 worth of debt and here's me now in charge of all this stuff. This has got to be a God job, you know, and this is practical things, you know. And two weeks before he died, and one of the last words he ever said to me was, you did good, kid. And you know what? I did. Because of the change that happens because of this process. Now, step 11, to me, it's something that I have to live every day, all day. Because of myself, I am nothing. And I can feel the nearness of my creator. And I cannot tell you, if ever I needed proof, the proof that was in what happened in me these last few months and what's happened since then, it's indisputable. It's just because that is my experience. So this I didn't look at, that I didn't read, and I think I've run out of time and I've got my glasses and I wasn't going to cry or swear. So I haven't, <laughs> so I haven't done anything else. <laughs> Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.